0: Saint John, welcome to the post sermon podcast. I am Deacon Estalia, and with me today is Pastor Adam. Hey all. Today we will be discussing the sermon from this past Sunday, Lent two. So, Pastor, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing okay. It's Monday, and I am trying to not forget the sermon as quickly as I usually do because you know by now I'm, we work on the Wednesday sermon, and it's it's funny that I'll have a sermon memorized in by very early in the week, I, I, I have a hard time even recalling what I said or how I phrased something. So we'll see how this goes.
0: Really? So you forget it very quickly?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's sometimes I remember, you know, parts of sermons, but no, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. This morning, I was trying to think of some of the bits. I'm like, ah, uh, hopefully I can phrase that right for the podcast.
0: <laughs> well, let's see how this goes then. Yeah. Well, hopefully you can remember the text that you preached on. Can you remind us all?
1: Jeremiah, and it's uh, chapter 26. And in that uh, reading... Uh, Jeremiah, it, it's it's tough when we do these readings from Jeremiah, because we just get like a, a handful of verses each time, but Jeremiah again and again is facing off against different groups of people. He is having to share the word in very challenging times and situations, and just not a, he never really has a hearing of people that are glad to hear what Jeremiah has to bring. And so it's, so what what fight, what quarrel, what's going on at this time, and, and, and what what's specific about it. And so uh, he's in Jerusalem, he's in the temple, you have the chief priests of the crowds, and Jeremiah is delivering the word of the Lord, the promise of exile to come, and the people do not like to hear that.
0: What was the central teaching of the sermon?
1: The central teaching in the sermon is that God's grace is really for us, and that grace is that good, that grace is that gracious, and we truly need it, and, and thankfully our God freely gives it to us through his Son.
0: What was the problem that the sermon sought to identify?
1: The problem the sermon sought to identify would be the reality of our death, our impending death, which is a result of sin. There's just no getting around that truth. And the only way to undo death is to remove sin. And the only way to remove sin is through Jesus. And he is the one who removes our sin. He is the sinless one who takes our sin upon himself And through this work on the cross and through the empty tomb, through his resurrection, we're set free from sin, which means we're set free from death.
0: Yeah, you actually answered my next question about how we we got to Jesus. But actually, that segues into talking about the different prophets that you brought up in the sermon. You brought up Jonah, Jeremiah, and Jesus. Why these three prophets? Why use them in the sermon?
1: Sure. So the reading started in Jeremiah, so I had to interact with Jeremiah. In looking over the reading... Uh, just seeing how things are not going well for Jeremiah. He is sharing these words with the people, and they're responding to him that, Jeremiah, you're going to die. Or you have the religious leaders accusing him that he deserves death. And I was just imagining, you know, what would it be like to be in Jeremiah's place, to share these words, to get a reaction like that. I remember from the beginning of the book, uh, Jeremiah is not excited to be called as God's prophet, and just the, the nerves that come with that. And that's what kind of led me down my uh, kind of rabbit trail to figure out uh, what, what to do with the sermon and so I was thinking about what it, what what would it be like to be nervous as a preacher and thinking in terms of the prophets uh, Jonah came to mind and I, and I like that because Jonah's nervousness is a very different nervousness. He is uh, Jonah just doesn't like the grace is that good. he doesn't want grace to be for all people, which is just part of the the flaw and the sin within Jonah. he just he does not want God's love to be for all people uh, and, and the forgiveness that comes with that. And so I thought about kind of comparing those two, and and through that comparison, I can get to Jesus. Um, I did think about going into other prophets, uh, but I I thought just uh, uh, Jeremiah, Jonah, and then connecting them to Jesus would be enough for a sermon in that time.
0: So maybe a follow-up question I have for you then is, how is Jesus different than Jonah and Jeremiah?
1: I appreciate that question. That's something I was wondering about in the sermon. Uh, When we think about Jesus— he is not simply one of a, of a group of prophets. He is the prophet. He is the fulfillment of prophecy. And when Jesus speaks, he's the word of God in the flesh. You think about the people saying, no, he speaks as one who has authority. The prophets all receive their word from the Lord. You know, God says, go and tell this people this word. Go and bring my word to this people. Jesus, he is the word of God. He is God in the flesh. And so Jesus is is among the prophets, but he is distinct from them. And that's something I I really wanted to be particular on. And maybe just thinking about um, some of our context, uh, we have a a good deal of outreach with um, our Muslim communities. And I was just thinking about how within... Within Islam, Jesus is regarded as is only a prophet, a, a very important prophet, but certainly not God. And that's why I even had those phrases in there that Jesus is the prophet. He is the fulfillment of prophecy. He's the walking, talking word of God in the flesh. And that was really important to me to make sure to bring up in the sermon.
0: And that was a phrase that really stuck out to me, was when you called Jesus the walking, talking word of God. You also mentioned that the word is a double-edged sword in your sermon. Can yep. you expand on that for us?
1: Uh, Yeah, Uh, thinking about uh, the words that the prophets had to bring to the people, there are certainly words of gospel and grace and of God's mercy and kindness, but a lot of times the prophets had to bring a hard word to the people, and in Jeremiah's case, that hard word was uh, death was coming, uh, exile is coming. And so the word of God operates in two ways. It always does. It speaks in two ways. There's words of law and there's words of gospel. There's words that speak of God's demands and expectations of his creatures and reveals our failure, our sin, our rebellion against God. And so that law can condemn. And there's also the gospel of how God has rescued us and and how that gospel cuts through our hardened hearts. And so um, that language, double edged sword, especially comes up from Hebrews chapter 4. It talks about how the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than a double edged sword, it penetrates even to divine soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And, and I love that language, a double edged. And I thought it was a nice connection to God's word, is in law and in gospel. It can cut in different ways.
0: Yeah, and you had mentioned, too, that the word must expose a lie. That's what your preaching does. So what was that lie?
1: Yeah, the lie is that there are other causes of death than sin. Or the lie can be that death isn't that bad. I imagine how Jesus you know, didn't even try to soft-pedal things. It was kind of an allusion to that. Or we say it was uh, this calamity or this issue or uh, a fear of public speaking is what caused this person's death. Death is the result of sin. And there's just no getting around that. The wages of sin is death. And so part of preaching is to expose that lie. And I even mentioned the the pastor trying to turn the funeral into a celebration of life. You know, we use that that language commonly. And there is something uh, to celebrate and to remember and to have those good stories and uh, and to recall that person's humor and memories. And, and absolutely, it's, it's all appropriate in the time of grieving. But it's a time of grieving. And it's grieving because this person's sin has won the day once again, right? This person's sin has killed this person and we can't ignore that. And thankfully, in a Christian funeral, we have the one who has overcome death and we have the one who's going to raise the dead. And even this loved one who we miss and celebrate this person's life, I can't wait to actually have the celebration of life in the resurrection of all life. That's going to be even better than what we try to make the funerals these days.
0: Something I really like when I go to a funeral and it's always really sad, the grief is heavy, but then you look at the casket and we have that funeral pall over it and just it's white with this beautiful cross on it and just how it reminds me that we're clothed in his righteousness.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I, I love that. So the funeral pall, it's that, it's that big garment that covers the casket. We even have one that covers an urn now if someone is cremated. Typically, When the casket is brought into the sanctuary, that's when the pall is put on the casket. And what I love about that is, uh, you know, our brother or sister in Christ, right? You know, they enter in the sanctuary, and right away we're reminded, oh yeah, this person was baptized. This person's clothed in Christ. And in some sense, when we show up to church every Sunday, we should imagine ourselves clothed in Christ. Uh, And when we enter into that sanctuary, when we see that font, Remember that Jesus has clothed you with himself, and in the day of his coming will be clothed in glory. It's a nice allusion also to uh, to Revelation, you know, who are these in white robes? You know, that's that's the connection.
0: Yeah, that's a great connection. I guess going back to the sermon, how did you intend to benefit your hearers in their faith or life?
1: Uh, to benefit my hearers, I really wanted my hearers to hear how good grace is for them. And that God's grace really is that gracious. Uh, one of the challenges with preaching, and this is something I talk about with our vicars, is sometimes preaching can be uh, misapplied to the audience, if you will, or to the hearer. We, we don't really do altar calls here. You know, By and large, on Sunday, we're not preaching to the unbeliever. We're preaching to someone who's already a Christian. We're preaching to the baptized. You know, of course, there are visitors, there are those who don't believe, and they overhear this good news, absolutely, and we should be mindful of that. But my sermon is not there to try to convert someone, by and large. I'm preaching to you all, St. John. I'm preaching to God's people. And when you are a Christian long enough, it's easy to start to forget that. It's easy to start to forget that God's grace is also for us, too. You know, we, we part of it is just because we hear the words so often, we get into the routine of hearing these things, but we also maybe just have a concern that someone else who doesn't believe needs to hear this message too, but the good news is still for you today. And to actually believe the grace is that good. It is that gracious, uh, no matter the sin and struggle you're still facing today as currently a baptized Christian.
0: Well, here is another question that, um, I'm curious. Tell me something about the text that did not make it into your sermon.
1: I think the especially the, the mend your ways and your deeds, I, I loosely quote that in the sermon. It's it's a really common uh, line in Lent. I could have gone in that direction. It was interesting. One of the people I was looking at who was commenting on the sermon and, you know, doing some theological reflection on it was talking about, oh, look, it's it's kind of a it's a warm and fuzzy Old Testament reading in Lent, and it, I didn't think it that way. Maybe it's because I was already kind of down this road of here's the direction I want to go with the reading, but it's interesting to hear someone read Jeremiah, and especially those who see Jeremiah as being warm and fuzzy and being nice, and I I, I disagree <laughs> with that person, but uh, I, can, I can see why they do that. Um, and so I didn't get so much into Jeremiah's words here, I more went in the direction of seeing the people's reaction to the word, right? You know, the the crowd saying, you will die, or the religious leaders saying, this one deserves death. And seeing that reaction and kind of zooming out and looking at that scene and that setting, well, that scene and setting plays out again. And I thought that was my opportunity to uh, connect to Jesus. And so I I could have gone more into Jeremiah's teaching there if I wanted to, uh, but I I, I didn't.
0: I like the direction that you went into, especially... Just asking that question, do you still get nervous preaching? I think captured everyone's attention right away question I thought of too as well
1: yeah and it, and it's funny on the way people are like you don't get nervous when you preach and there's there's a few people that said that and and no i, I really do like I think every
0: pastor does
1: yeah and and I, and I think if if you don't like you know it it does affect that alertness and attentiveness I brought up, but yeah no i I really do and and part of the challenge with preaching is. You have to speak hard words into people's lives. And I I care about this congregation and when I write I, I see faces in the congregation and, and I know I'm gonna look at those faces on Sunday and and sometimes it's you got you have to speak a hard truth into the lives of the people and that's what a that's what a pastor is there to do. That's what the prophets were sent to do. They're they're there to to deliver Christ's word to the people, which it cuts. It, it, it heals and it cuts. And yeah, I, I get that. Whether it's nervous in the moment, especially if like I forget my place or something, but also just nervous in the preparation during the week and how will this come across? How can I say this? You know.
0: So the nervousness goes beyond just the fear of public speaking, but everything that you'll be telling us, hard truths.
1: Right, right. I think so. And, and part of it also is just, you know, is remembering that uh, God's word is true <laughs> and trusting in that and being faithful to that task. And even if I could have phrased something better, thankfully one bad sermon does not destroy Christ's church. You know, he, is, he can withstand uh, my poor preaching, <laughs> thankfully.
0: I do have one here submitted question.
1: Oh, sweet. This doesn't
0: have to do specifically with the sermon, but just in general, why do you memorize your sermons?
1: Why do I memorize my sermons? Because there's nothing else I want to do on a Saturday night right before preaching.
0: Wow. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah,
1: that's it. Yeah, no. Oh, why? Why memorize sermons? Uh, this is something back at seminary that they really impressed upon us. I remember my first preaching class. They required us, like, all right, this one you have to memorize to show that you can do it. <laughs> you know, and we did. And, and a lot of it is, I, I think it just helps with delivery. Eye contact matters. It, it shows that I care about what I'm bringing before the people, and I think that communicates that okay this might be worth listening to as well and I think it just it it leads to a better preaching event it leads to a better hearing of the word and that's not to say those who write out the sermons and and read them or those who follow an outline are wrong or anything like that you know we all have different gifts from God for sure but whatever method of sermon delivery we use, it needs to matter. It needs to be done well and with as much excellence as possible for a week-in, week-out thing like that. Uh, but I, I've really taken to the idea of memorizing sermons, and, uh, and I really stuck with it from that from that preaching class, and I, I think it's good to do.
0: And this is a skill that you're trying to pass on to the vicars as well.
1: It, it does help that there's seminary students I'm like, hey, your, your preaching classes require it. And... And we'll be mindful of that of our different vicars, if you know, in terms of their abilities and whatnot. But I, I've seen a lot of benefits with delivering sermons without notes, and I hope to kind of show the vicars that yeah, you can even do this over a year, and you can do this for multiple Sundays in a row, and it, it's it's okay. So we'll see. Uh, we're not gonna, we're not gonna hold our vicars completely to that if you know if it's not a possibility. But I, I've been really impressed with what our vicars I have done.
0: They've done very well. That's true.
1: I think so. I've been quite impressed with them.
0: Well, this wraps up the episode for today. Thank you for listening to today's discussion. In case you missed today's sermon or want to listen to it again, the link to the sermon is in the show notes. You can also find the sermon on our church website, stjohndublin.org. If you, the listener, would like to submit a question about a sermon, please email us at podcast at stjohndublin.org. Or if you'd prefer to text a question, please text the phone number found in the show notes. Thank you pastor for joining me and for feeding us the word this week. Bye y'all.
1: Oh, and fun fact, uh we're going to be missing our host for the next couple episodes.
0: Yeah, I'm going to miss this.
1: Yeah, Dignus Daly is going out of town for a little bit, so I think Vicar James is hosting and he's got to so the vicar is going to interview the pastor. So, that's uh next episode. All right. We'll see y'all. Okay. Bye. Bye.